Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mind on Mental Health podcast. My name is Andy Dean. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And today I'll be speaking with Sarah Carstens, who's also a licensed clinical social worker, as well as a licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, and the Addictions Clinical Director of Outpatient Services at Penn Medicine Princeton House Behavioral Health. Today, Sarah and I discuss the harm reduction model and addictions treatment and what it really looks like. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast and find it helpful. All right, Sarah, thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So we wanted to do some podcasts about substance use, and I thought, obviously, that you would be a great person to have on to talk about this. So can you maybe tell, just tell everybody why you're a good person to talk about this, what your role is at uh, Princeton House, et cetera? Sure. Um, so I have been working with patients with substance use disorders in some capacity for my entire time at Princeton House, which is now just over 13 years. Um, And I think I've been able to have an opportunity to see over the years how the demographic has shifted, how the landscape of treatment has shifted, and really how Princeton House as an organization has responded to those shifts. Um, Back in March of this year, I was um, appointed to a new position within Princeton House, the Addictions Clinical Director. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, So at this point, I really have an opportunity to start to take a closer look at and revise our practices and approaches with this particular population um, and, and really bring things Start, start to, you know, manage this population in a different way and, and hopefully increase the effectiveness of the treatment that we're giving in a way that really speaks to those who are using substances right now that are seeking treatment. So obviously I already know this because we, we work together, but I know one of the big pushes that you're semi sort of responsible for is the push to sort of look at substance use and substance use issues through more of a harm reduction approach lens as opposed to an abstinence only based lens, uh, which I think is probably one of those shifts that you were talking about a minute ago. And I think the field has sort of been moving this direction, or at least parts of the field have sort of been moving in this direction uh, recently. But I thought one of the things we could do today is just sort of talk about what the difference is between like an abstinence based approach versus a harm reduction based approach, because I think there are some similarities and some differences. And I think sometimes people can kind of get confused as to what exactly harm reduction means. Um, So maybe one of the things we can talk about today is just like what it actually is. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're absolutely correct. This is, you know, harm reduction is, you know, an initiative that we're putting forth within Princeton House and and really essentially a paradigm shift um, that mm-hmm. as, you know, a behavioral health organization, we are in the midst of right now and really trying to discover, you know, what does, you know, what does harm reduction mean for us as, you know, a behavioral health offshoot of a, a healthcare system, a large healthcare system. Right. 
And, you know, we're spending a lot of time now really, really looking at that question and having a lot of conversations with staff about what that means and adjusting our practices to really fall more in line with it. Um, and, and you're also correct in that this this is where the field is headed. You know, harm reduction is is not something that is brand new. The concepts have been around and in practice in areas within the addictions field since the 80s. Mm -hmm. um, but because of some of those things that I was mentioning before, just the demographic shift, the treatment landscape and how different things are today um, and have been over the past few years, we're seeing more and more agencies really starting to adopt harm reduction practices into their treatment with substance use disorders because it is just more effective and it's something that is helping keep people engaged in treatment rather than feeling backed into a corner, discontinuing treatment, and then being left without, without anything. I totally agree. And I definitely have follow-up questions I want to ask you about all that. But I think before we kind of get into more of the nitty-gritty here, can you just define or tell people what abstinence-based only treatment is versus sort of a harm reduction model? Sure. So abstinence, you know, abstinence only treatment, or as I also kind of like to think of it, you know, abstinence as a requirement for continuing in treatment mm -hmm. is, you know, kind of um, a more historical model that, you know, many, many organizations have taken over the course of time, which really looks at the ultimate goal and objective for a patient coming into treatment with substance use disorders is to completely discontinue use of all substances, mm -hmm. um, whether it be, you know, marijuana, alcohol, opiates, benzos, whatever it is, the goal of abstinence only treatment is just that it is abstinence, complete discontinuation. Mm -hmm where, you know, and there are still many people for whom this is very desirable. It is very much in line with things like kind of the more traditional 12-step models and things like that. And a lot of people who are in long-term sustained recovery certainly abide by this, you know, abstinence-only mentality. And there is definitely a subset of the population for whom this is what they want. This is the best approach. Harm reduction is more of a, a kind of umbrella term that incorporates a really large span of options, if you will, for those entering treatment for substance use disorders. The nice thing about harm reduction is that it does not exclude abstinence as one of those options. Right. So abstinence falls under the harm reduction umbrella. Abstinence is always a choice that individuals can have with regards to how they would like to proceed with treatment. But in harm reduction, abstinence is not the only choice that they have. Rather, a harm reduction approach kind of says like, hey, where are you at? What is it that you see as the problem? And how would you like to deal with it? So, you know, as opposed to someone who says, I, I'm, I'm not interested in completely discontinuing all of my substance use. Maybe someone comes in and says, you know, I recognize that my alcohol use has become really problematic, um, but I don't think that 
smoking marijuana really is a problem at all. Mm -hmm. An abstinence only approach is essentially going to say to this person, I'm sorry, but it's all or nothing. You have to stop using the marijuana as well, or we're not going to be able to keep you in treatment. Whereas harm reduction would say, okay, alcohol use is the problem. Um, let's take a look at that. And, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on where the marijuana is. Let's see what that looks like. Um, you know, maybe maybe we will discover that it is problematic for you, or perhaps we won't. But you're saying that alcohol is the issue. Let's focus on that issue. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the biggest things that really I hear you saying is that abstinence can be part of a harm reduction model, but harm reduction can't really be part of an abstinence-only based model. Because the goal with abstinence-only is to cut everything out completely. Whereas with harm reduction, it's more like reducing the amount that maybe you're using or, you know, just trying to make positive change toward a goal of maybe using less or not using all the substances that you're using, not using as frequently. Is that right? Yes, that would, that would be correct. And, you know, for harm reduction essentially is providing a whole range of options. Mm -hmm. So um, again, where abstinence only model essentially says your one option is you need to achieve this benchmark of perfection, essentially complete discontinuation of all substances. If we give you a UDS, there should be nothing in your screen, that type of thing. Um, whereas, you know, again, harm reduction is, is saying, if you are choosing abstinence, if this is, you know, the way that you would like to go on your journey, then let's help you get there. But we are also saying that if that's not what you choose, we're going to continue to work with you. And, you know, we can look at decreasing your use, either mm -hmm. in frequency or intensity. We can look at moderating use, but we're also with harm reduction, looking at sort of um, reducing other risks associated with the substance use. So someone's goal may not be to discontinue their use, but rather to use in a way that reduces the consequences. So mm -hmm. potentially looking at um, separating drinking and driving. You know, if you're going to consume alcohol, can you do so at home um, without, you know, getting in your car and driving? Can you have a designated driver? Um, looking to reduce, you know, if, uh, you know, you have a someone in your family that potentially there are domestic disputes anytime you are, you know, using substances, can we look at reducing contact with that person while you're using? Um, also looking at reducing some of the other harms. And, you know, there are um, a lot of areas of harm reduction that really focus on, uh, you know, medical care for things such as, you know, getting HIV testing, hepatitis testing, mm -hmm. wound care, things like that. So it is, um, a, again, a really broad umbrella that provides a whole lot of options and opportunities for improvement um, mm -hmm. rather than, again, that benchmark of perfection. So I think I might know the answer to this question, but um, I'm going to throw it at you just to make sure. But um, why do you think that in the field and as an agency, we're sort of moving toward this harm reduction approach um, as opposed to an abstinence-only based approach or, or treatment. Um, you know, why make that shift? Obviously, abstinence is a great goal, right? Like to Absolutely. be 100% abstinent from all substances, if they're causing problems in your life, I mean, 
an amazing goal to have. So why make the switch to sort of a harm reduction model? Um, you know, I think, and I think it is important to say like that, you know, abstinence is something that we certainly want for people mm -hmm. using a harm reduction lens doesn't diminish the fact that what we want is for people to be, you know, free of substances that are causing them harm, um, and, you know, creating unnecessary risk in their lives. So it's something that we want for people, but to answer your question, it is not really what people want for themselves necessarily. Mm. Um, and it's something that really is, is quite hard to achieve. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what we're looking at now is, you know, we are having year after year an astonishing rate of overdose deaths in the United States. We have, you know, an epidemic of, you know, a substance use crisis that is continuing to escalate year after year with almost 108,000 deaths from overdose in 2021 alone. Mm -hmm. And what that says to me is that, you know, the traditional the traditional approach to substance use treatment has not necessarily been working. And rather than focusing on, we have to get people clean and sober, we have to get them completely off all of these substances. I think what the field is doing is shifting their approach to say, let's try and keep these people alive. Mm -hmm. Let's try and keep people engaged in treatment. Let's try and keep them committed to and connected to providers so that we can hopefully keep them alive, but at the very least, reduce the risks associated with the things that they are doing. So yeah, one of the other follow-up questions I had for you was, I think I remember you saying at the beginning of the conversation that harm reduction is more effective. And uh, I was going to ask you why, but it sounds like basically that's why, like you're sort of shifting the goal from, you know, we have to keep you 100% sober 100% of the time to maybe sort of aligning your goal as a treatment provider more with what the patient's goal might be. But I heard you say three really important things right there. Basically, that with the harm reduction model, you're sort of shifting the focus to just as simple as keeping people alive, reducing the risks associated with their use, and then really keeping them engaged in treatment. And I mean, I would imagine if people are more engaged in treatment, they're more willing to, uh, you know, stay in touch with the treatment provider, come back in uh, for treatment if they feel like they need it in the future. Uh, whereas I think with some abstinence-based only programs like there's this idea that you're getting quote unquote kicked out if you frequently use while you're in program or um, you know, you're not quite doing what the treatment providers, you're not quite meeting the treatment provider's goal for you. So uh, there's just sort of that engagement piece that, that maybe willingness to come back in for treatment if you need a piece that I think can get lost with like the abstinence only based treatment approaches. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, what what I really like to think of is that we're really trying to, you know, really and truly meet people where they're at, mm -hmm. which is, you know, such a such a hallmark of, of treatment is, you yeah. know, meeting people where they're at and starting where they're ready to start. But also, you know, using this approach, in, in my opinion, is is really looking to kind of chip away at the stigma, you know, that oftentimes surrounds this particular population or this particular type of treatment. And I think, you know, one of the things that can be, um, that can be such a barrier is that substance use 
is essentially, again, in, in more of an abstinence-only framework, substance use is kind of treated like a punishable offense, mm, mm-hmm. um, and which, which is, is such a shame because we, we would never do that for other types of symptoms, essentially, um, or, or behaviors that we treat, right? We don't do that for suicidality. We don't do that for self-harming behavior. And yet for some reason, you know, substance use is kind of treated as this, this thing that we need to assign consequences to. Mm. And I think when we're able to shift and use more of a harm reduction lens, um, and, and come at it from that approach, we're, we're opening the door for conversation and we're not making people feel like they're going to get in trouble for doing something mm-hmm. that has, you know, maybe not had some of the best outcomes, but has been a skill that they've used and has worked for them for months, years, decades. And we're, you know, we're paving the way for more conversation and they are more likely to start talking to you about that use and have, you know, more candid conversations about what they're using, how much they're using, why they're using it, which can then, again, help us kind of, you know, backdoor our way into, you know, is this working for you? Mm -hmm. And is this use actually, you know, maybe impacting the goals that you have for yourself? Uh, I really like the point that you just brought up about treating substance use as sort of like a a behavior that requires a consequence, right? Like like you said, I mean, we wouldn't be treating someone with depression and then kick them out of treatment because they because they had a suicide attempt or because they were isolating themselves or you know if we were treating someone with anxiety and they engaged in some kind of a safety behavior or avoidance behavior, we wouldn't then kick them out of treatment for that, right? It's like, um, it's almost counterintuitive. But yeah, I think whether or not a treatment provider or um, an agency's goal is to punish someone if they're using, I think oftentimes that's the perception, even if in reality they do require sort of a higher level of care or, you know, a rehab, a residential program at times, and you have to make a referral out, that can definitely still feel like punishing them for the thing that they're coming in for treatment for, right? Right. To um to kind of piggyback on what you're just saying now, you know, with even using a harm reduction approach, if we as, you know, as a treatment team see that someone is at risk for very severe medical complications as a result mm-hmm. of their use, right? we are still going to make that recommendation for a higher level of care. Harm reduction is not, you know, I think one of the, one of the myths is that we are, you know, giving people permission to use, right. We're enabling the use and basically saying, yeah, go ahead, do what you want. Um, You know, our, our goal is to keep, to keep people alive, to keep Mm -hmm. them engaged in treatment. And we can't do that if, you know, if they're dead, we, we have a responsibility to ensure that we are making recommendations and that we are making clinical decisions in such a way that is going to promote, um, that's going to promote safety. And Mm -hmm. so if there is someone who is using to that degree, that, that is truly in need of that higher level of care to keep them stabilized, then that's still a recommendation that we're going to make each and every time because, you know, overall safety and stability is our number one goal for people. 
And yet I think when you are able to, you know, have those conversations in a way that, you know, their, um, you know, their treatment up to, up to that point has been one of collaboration has been, you know, having those open discussions, us being just really honest with them about what we want and what our priorities are for safety, then it feels less like a punishment and feels more supportive, which is certainly the way that it's intended. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't mean to imply that. <laughs> oh, no, I just I just wanted to make sure that, you know, that it's clear because I think there are, you know, harm reduction, there's, it's, it's definitely a buzzword in the field. Um, and, and I think it is something that there are, you know, there are a lot of misnomers about. And I've mm-hmm. heard in many, many conversations that I've been having with people and staff throughout the organization, these concerns that by, you know, taking on, you know, harm reduction as our lens for treating people that we will be seen as enabling patients mm. in their use. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just really important to, to clarify that that is, that's certainly not what we're doing. Um, that's not our objective. And that's not at, you know, at, at the heart of what harm reduction aims to do. All right. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. Tune in next week when Sarah and I discuss more about the harm reduction model and some myths associated with harm reduction treatment. Hope everybody has a great week.